politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots, to the one and only Conservative Review podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, the one and only independent conservative in the House who stands for We the People, the forgotten American who is not a gang member, not an illegal alien, just wants to live free and live without government molestation, without mandates that two-year-old kids got to wear diapers on their faces while criminals run loose, get released from jail, don't get arrested, and get empowered to attack us, and we don't have a right to self-defense. You know, you look at issue after issue. We, we talked about this for the first two shows of the week, both on the corona fascism side and on the anarchy side with the crime, the two issues of our time. Where we have such a compelling narrative and data to push back against the communists in this country. And yet Trump and Republicans seem incapable of doing it. It boggles the mind. So we'll start with the virus stuff today and we'll we'll do kind of the opposite of what we did yesterday. So Trump had this press conference yesterday. And I was really hoping he would finally get up there with the charts, with, with some of our stuff. We have reams of data showing the absurdity of this. The kids, you mentioned the kids. There's a, such a wealth of stuff premised on the fact that if you are going to close schools for this, then by a factor of 10, you have to close it for the seasonal flu, much less a pandemic flu which we had in 2018, and no one closed schools. Yet all we got from the president was a weak-cornered individual who was validating and championing every premise of the left without any nuance. I mean, not like, okay, 50% it's appropriate here, but look, you got to keep in mind the data here. And No, no, nothing. And this is the problem with him. He's harming our case. And we're getting the worst of all worlds. Imagine for a minute if Hillary would have been president and she would have concocted lockdown and masks. You would have had to ridicule the narratives, the movements. It would have made the Tea Party look like nothing. You would have had even the weak Republican governors pushing back against her. But here, we're left holding the bag. The left, are the, they, they react to Trump's perceived position. That becomes the default. Then Trump not only doesn't push back, but is like, Yes, the ventilators. It's kind of like a kind of like a doggy, like a doggy that just like sees what the game is and wants to play it. So, you know, if 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 we have enough people around the president to push a certain agenda, he'll push it. But if we don't, which is more often the case, he will want to champion whatever the media does. He'll want to do it the best, bigly, bigger and better. I'm going to do the ventilators. You want to do ventilators? I'll do double the ventilators. You want to do lockdown? We did the best lockdown. Yes, this virus, I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it's basically what he said. This virus is horrible. It's the worst thing around. I mean, again, you, you don't. I'm not asking him to deny it. I'm just saying, look, be nuanced. Say, look, for 95% of people, it's less than the flu. Certain amount, it's about the flu. Certain amount, it's a little bit more. It's this small group of people we need to shield and protect. And in fact, in order to do that, you can't flood the hospitals with every last person and test every last person and treat every last 
asymptomatic patient as if they're the people with acute respiratory distress syndrome, thereby ensuring that A, there's less care to go around for the people who need it, but B, that you actually wind up spreading it to those people in the hospitals, people that are in the hospitals with heart conditions, not because of COVID. How many of them wound up getting it because you had all these mild cases that flooded the hospitals? But you know, we're still evident enough, symptomatic enough to spread it. What is so hard? But instead, the president was like, yes, horrible. It w- millions of people would have died without lockdown. I mean, dude, I have an article out today with charts. We talked about it a little bit yesterday, comparing to Europe, how we had a longer lockdown than they did. So that's not the culprit. He could have pointed the finger at the protesters. I have a chart out showing the timing of the reopening, which wasn't much of a reopening compared to Europe's, and the timing of the protests, and it matches up perfectly. The border stuff is compelling as anything. If you follow my Twitter account, you'll at RM Conservative, you'll see that every day. And by the way, if you want to follow me on Parlor, I don't post so often, but I hope to do so more often. It's DEH0414. Sorry, my name was taken. Seems to be a common name. But anyway, this is what he did. And then they got to masks. Yes, I wore a mask. Everyone should wear a mask. Everyone should... I mean, like, all that does is it marginalizes us. Imagine if Trump would take up the mantle. So at least in the red counties, they would, they would follow Trump. Now we're marginalized. We have nowhere to turn. In my county, they mandated yesterday that freaking two-year-olds need to wear it. Everyone was wearing it. I have never seen a person in two and a half months here where I live, anywhere, any place in a store, not wearing a mask. Much to my chagrin, but that's, that's the reality. Everyone has been compliant. And yet it's still spread. It's a self-indictment. I mean, here's the problem. Here's the beauty with what the other side does. I wish you and I were wrong. I wish we were wrong. Because if we were wrong, then lockdowns would work, mask mandates would work, and we'd suffer the tyranny for two months, and it would be over with. But they don't work. So therefore, it continues indefinitely, and they get to use that against us. Oh my gosh, we need uh, two-year-olds have to wear it now. So this schmuck county executive, Johnny Ola Schmucky, he looks like he's five years old. He's an IQ of 40. Piece of white trash, this guy, comes in, and he's basically intimating that two to nine-year-olds spread it. It is literally against all science. And again, there is no clinical study showing that masks work, but there are those showing they don't work. Especially if it's not an N95. And especially the cloth masks that are rigged up. Everyone knows that. And the cross-contaminating. And Trump puts it in his pocket. Like, Trump could have at least been a little nuanced. Look, you know, we're still learning. It's a mystery why Fauci flipped. I would have hit him on that. I would have said, look, if you're in close contact, maybe it's worth doing it. But this growing mandate to wear it outdoors and for children to wear it is child abuse. And if you're going to do it, it really needs to be a certain type. And you have to learn how to use it properly. You can't put it in your pocket. Instead, Trump actually did just that. And that would have been rooted in science. It would have been, he would have sounded nuanced and smart. You know what I mean? Like, everyone's like, well, Daniel, he already staked out this ground. I understand. But he could have done, given us 50%. And then not a word from the president about schools. He completely ran away. This is what he does. 
He half-heartedly tweets at our issue, doesn't defend it, doesn't drive a narrative, doesn't use executive actions, the budget bill, the bully pulpit consistently to drive a narrative. He, he, He teases it out enough in a tweet that will activate the left to then respond by shutting schools. And then he retreats. Folks, the only thing this man is serving now is he is actually being a ventilator. In the sense that you're, you're going to die on it, but you can't get off it. The only thing it, it, it does is ensure you can't get off it. The only thing he is ensuring now is blocking a rebellion, even in red counties. If you had a Democrat in charge now, they would be rebelling. But now he's taking care of us, except actually we have the worst results ever. You tell me, are you better off than you were four years ago? With diapers on your face, with anarchy in the streets. And with each thing, it's too little, too late. It's like, so he dispatches a couple of federal agents to to Portland. Maybe he'll do it to Chicago. But when it really mattered to stuff it in the hole, those weeks of the riots, Brooke Rollins, Jared Kushner won out. By the way, recently Kushner did a whole uh, whole interview with Newsweek defending jailbreak. People need second chances. These people have 5, 10, 20 chances. You know who needs a second chance? Victims of crime. They never get a second chance. Criminals always get built into the system multiple, multiple, multiple chances. But let's start off with a couple of important things. The president could have said, the UK Times, no known case of teacher catching coronavirus from pupils. Mark Wood, uh, Woolhouse, a leading epidemiologist and member of the government's SAGE Common Com- Committee, told the Times that it may have been a mistake to close schools in March, given the limited role children play in spreading the virus. And he goes on to explain that they have never found a case. So not only, I mean, I mean, again, remember the flu, kids are a major vector to spreading it. Major vector. They get sick. Certainly a lot more of them get sick. A lot more of them go to the hospital and death is still rare, you know, relatively rare, but it's more common by a factor of seven than from this virus. And I suspect the more we find out, even from the few who died, from what I'm seeing recently, there's a lot more to the story. Because, uh, you know, th- there are, it's rare, but there are c- plenty of cases. A good, a good number of kids who died from the flu did not have pre-existing conditions. Whereas here, all of them were very, very sick. So those aren't the ones you're going to send to school anyway. The other thing the president could have talked about is Sweden. Everyone in America knows about Sweden by now. Do you know, I, I tweeted out an analysis, forgot who first put this out. Sweden has had eight flu seasons over the last 40 years. So that's almost a quarter of them where they had more excess deaths than now under COVID. And they did no lockdown. No mask mandate. Frankly, Switzerland, Norway, Finland, Denmark, France, 
several other countries I'm missing out on didn't have a mask mandate either. But Sweden certainly didn't. And by the way, if you adjust for population and, and a lot of other things, it's really much less. Especially if you consider the fact that most of their cases were among the migrants. Um, and Or at least outside of nursing homes were among migrants. And they've had so many more migrants this generation than the previous generation. So that's where they're a little bit different than the other Nordic countries. I mean, I'm talking about compelling, compelling narratives that the president could push every single day. Compelling narratives. But yet here we are. I'm thinking, where do we turn? We have nobody on our side. Nobody. I'm thinking like, there's no way a county executive could get away with promulgating without a legislative council body Four months into this, you can't say it's an emergency. It's not 24, 48 hours. Four months into this, working off of, hey, I'm holding a press conference today. Every two-year-old has to wear a mask. Like, that is so illegal. It violates all the science behind mask wearing, behind the vector of transmission. Two-year-olds don't transmit. I mean, everyone agrees to that. And there is only a chance of them becoming greater just germ spreaders by wearing masks. I mean, a two-year-old? Are you kidding me? Three-year-old? Four-year-old? You try doing that. And I'm thinking, where do we turn? I can't turn to my county officials. They're animals. I can't turn to state officials. I can't turn to the president. I can't turn to the courts. You know, the Chamber of Commerce is uh, suing on behalf of the H-1B moratorium. They'll get standing. They'll win. Criminals get released in the hundreds of thousands now. They get standing. Illegal aliens get standing. Foreign visa wannabes get standing. You and I are locked out from the courts. And these are real individual rights that affect our personage, our ability to walk freely, unrestricted. I mean, that is individual liberty defined by Blackstone. It is so, it's so wrong. It's so immoral. It's so flat earth science. Again, I mean, I'm going to have to compile. It's going to take me a while. But if you look at all the mass stuff, anything you hear on it are like anecdotal or at best they like blue particles in a lab through, through like a cloth mask and a N95 and then a surgical mask and say what percentage of particles got through. But what they never did was a clinical study on an infection transmission and who got infected. That's the way you do it. But even the particle study from a couple of years ago, cloth mass blocked 3, 3%, 97% got in. And surgical mass was about 50%. It was only N95s that were significant. But again, we're seeing the mask mandates everywhere. They don't work. That can't be the culprit in America. Now, first of all, it appears from Australia, the Philippines, Hong Kong, Japan, Israel, that some of these European countries will likely get it at some point. Although most of the countries I mentioned, if you noticed, they're lower latitude closer to the equator or southern hemisphere so some of that has to do with it 
But we always knew this. You know, you look at Norway and you look at Sweden. Sweden had a darn good result. Norway had an even better result. But guess what? Sweden will likely be done with it. Now, as we noted, our theory is that you have unusual factors in America that created a greater spread. So number one, just to begin with, you know, America is a much bigger country than any of these countries. So it's diverse. And because you have all these groups that are vulnerable, vulnerable to get it or, you know, the moving latitude and seasonality. And then we have, you know, states are different, but they're not like a different country. And you do go back and forth. So you wind up spreading it more easily. That's number one. Number two, the riots. Number three, Mexico. That certainly accounts because, again, if you look at Texas's death rate and you take the border counties out, it's nothing. They're finally getting it a little bit, but but most of the the only like serious drumbeat of deaths per capita are coming from the border. And then finally, even not near the border, remarkably half the cases in most states are Hispanics. And what that tells you is it's likely not predominantly just your run-of-the-mill American of Hispanic heritage. It's the migrant labor camps. It's the slave labor. I don't know how many other countries have that. Where we have all these farmers and they live in horrible conditions. These migrant workers. And rather than shutting that down, we brought in more H-2A visas. We exempted them from the moratorium. And they're the most likely to get it. And spread it because they live a hundred in a in a um, dorm and 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 travel twenty five of them in a pickup truck. I mean that's the narrative and there's data and charts. I'm part of a group of about twenty five people that are and you see me retweet them on on Twitter sometimes. Beautiful charts just depicting this very easy to see. We're more than willing to offer our services to the White House. Another interesting point I just saw, there was a study done out of Hong Kong about SARS-1, 2003. That there was no evidence that children spread the infection to their school classmates. It's funny that we, we, we seem to assume that SARS-2 is different in every respect from every other coronavirus. But you would think we'd study other things. And the interesting thing is I saw this was a study out of Hong Kong where they studied children that got SARS-1. And they found, they studied these 10 children. Eight out of 10 had been attending school at the time of presentation. And there was no evidence that they had spread the infection to their classmates. This finding is in sharp contrast to the experience reported among adults that SARS carries a very high infective rate. During the study period, they talk about 22 adults died in Hong Kong. 30 children were suspected as having SARS in Hong Kong. No child has died. Isn't it interesting? We're seeing the same pattern with SARS-1. Andy Bostom, the, um, you know, we've had him on. He's an epidemiologist. 
We've had him on a couple times on the show. He sent me this. This is a, a study from 2003 in Hong Kong. And we failed to learn that lesson. That it, it just seems like kids don't have problems with coronaviruses. Where is the narrative of the president on this issue? I, I Where is his narrative? Again, the minute if you if you would pluck Joe Biden in the White House now, and you'd have him and Fauci every day get up there, especially with Biden's clown show, you would have a rebellion in this country. Look, I don't want Biden as president, but I'm just trying to teach you that if the only thing this man is going to serve is ensure we lose the election and have worse tyranny until then, step aside. We have one Democrat party. The reason why he was elected was precisely because we were sick of it. That on the issues of our time that affect our future, our lives, our liberty, our security, our prosperity more than anything else. And Democrats would pound that lectern. We need to do this. This is the vault. And Republicans, rather than coming in with different narratives and different data and different talking points and blow it up. They would half-heartedly echo the same talking points, albeit with a more kind of stern, reluctant face. That's what always bothered us about Republicans. That's at its core why people voted for Trump. They wanted to move away from that. Instead here, it's like, yes, the viruses is the worst thing we've ever seen. Yes, we would have had millions die without lockdowns. Yes, everyone needs to wear a mask. They they, they work. Yes, um, you know, nothing about schools and... Uh, oh, the ventilators, the ventilators. I'm forgetting some things, but every last thing he said yesterday validated the premise of the left. And then it leaves us with nothing. Then we have the anarchy. Trump promised to be the president of law and order. But again, I know the excuses. I know the excuses. Oh, it's this guy's fault. It's that guy's fault. The result is we have worse anarchy than we had under Obama. Okay, is that true or not? Okay, don't, 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 before you defend whose fault it is, I'm just asking you a fact. Do we have worse anarchy now or, or in 2016? Do we have worse tyranny now or in 2016? Okay, that is a very powerful question. Three and a half years into this presidency. And if your answer is, oh, it's 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 the the governor, it's the county, it's the culture, it's the media, it's the courts, it's the deep state, it's the shallow state, it's Jared Kushner, even though Trump brought him in, it's Mnuchin pushing another three trillion dollar bill that they're that Republicans are gonna pass and Trump's gonna sign. I mean, th- th- then what's the point? Then then what's the point? What, what, what's the second term gonna bring? I'll tell you what it's gonna bring. The left is going to react even stronger. I mean, he's not going to win at this point if nothing changes. But the left is going to react even stronger. And they're going to succeed in their reaction. Now what are you going to do about it? And again, Trump needs to have a knockout, knockdown, dragout fight over the budget bill. And say, I will not sign a bill that doesn't free the peaceful American and defund the anarchy and crime. That is a simple message to understand. Defund the sanctuary cities. Defund 
those Soros prosecuting offices, defund those who are allowing takeover of private and public property, federal and state property. Condition any funding for coronavirus relief to states that don't violate the Constitution. But nothing. Last night, you had a shootout. 15 people. Mass shooting. A mass shooting in Chicago. Republicans should have legislation on the floor. Talking points. Flooding the zone. 15 people shot at a funeral in Chicago. A funeral itself for a 31-year-old black um, young man who was killed from gun violence. I see in Milwaukee, another two-year-old kid was killed today. And yet Republicans refuse to push a crime bill. A carrot-and-stick approach with state and local law enforcement and units of government to incentivize prosecutions of gun felons, jail time instead of probation for gun felons, and it completely shoves the agenda on their head. See, folks, I say this all the time. The difference between a winning issue and a losing political issue is a hairline. It turns on a dime. People want to feel safe. So if the left seizes the narrative, oh my gosh, there's a lot of violence and shootings, we need gun control, and they pull it, it will pull well. But if you say, you know what? There are tons of violence and shootings from criminals that had crazy records and were released. Should we throw them in jail and then allow you to defend yourself from their people while they're taking guns away from you and letting gun felons out of jail? It will pull very differently. It's the same thing with the lockdown. It requires a counter narrative. It requires a movement. It requires leadership. And we are not getting any of that from the big man in the seat. We're not getting it from any Republican. But what we are getting from Trump is a ventilator. He ventilates, he intubates our people. They're comatose. There's no, I'm not seeing a rebellion. It's kind of hard to rebel when you're in Texas and you have the riots in Houston and the border screw up their state and then they get blamed and yet, well, my president is Republican, not just any Republican, but Mr. Trump. The governor is Greg Abbott. Well, who do you have to direct your righteous indignation at? This, this is the problem we're up against. It's the worst of all. Which is why I think this whole thing is divine. It's divine punishment. I could not have conjured up a situation where our country would get this bad and the left would succeed in implementing their stuff without having alluring a counter-revolt. Because by definition, in politics, there's always a push and a pull. But this is so anomalous because it's happening when officially the man is in the seat. So we're, we're actually getting saddled with it. See, typically you get Democrats elected, all right, it's bad, but then they get saddled with all of their ill effects. Now they're actually having more success than even when they're in, because when they're in charge, there is somewhat of a deterrent. 
because they don't want to be saddled with this stuff. But by Trump being president, they have a, a seamless, quiet avenue through the states, the counties, the courts, just even the culture and the rioters to just implement their stuff. See, if you debate, should we rip down statues? Should we mandate everyone wear a mask? So you're going to have committee hearings. You're going to have people, experts come in and say, look, you know, the the people are going to die like you had in China. Kids die from asphyxiation, especially in the heat. Do they really work? The left, you know what they do? They just do it. Now you are the one who's challenging the status quo. That's the brilliance of what they do. They take earth-shattering policies and they just do them overnight. Flick of a wrist. The court... County executive, governor, this is what we're doing. We're releasing criminals. We're releasing illegal aliens. We're giving them standing. We're violating 200 years of standing. We're not going to talk about it. We're not going to tweet about it. We're not going to warn about it. We're not going to signal, telegraph our play. So to elicit a strong blitz, we're just going to make the play. Trump does the opposite. He telegraphs the play and then doesn't get rid of the ball and make the play and holds it and gets sacked. I'm sorry if this offends you. I try. I mean, I wrote a whole article defending him against Chris Wallace two days ago. It's not a matter of hating on Trump as an end to itself. I can't be more pro-Trump than he is himself. But anyway, more with the anarchy. Think about this. This is from uh, a local... um, Local affiliate in uh, L.A., man accused of stealing over a dozen cars during policy to limit jail overcrowding amid pandemic. Huntington Park man has been charged in four separate felony cases with stealing more than a dozen cars in L.A. and surrounding areas between March and June after getting rearrested and released every single time. Jose Enrique Esquivel, I wonder if he's an illegal, faces a total of 14 felony counts on March 30th. Esquivel was arrested for allegedly driving a stolen truck and released per the COVID-19 emergency bail schedule aimed at reducing the jail population. He was rearrested and released same day on April 28th, May 8th, twice on May 14th, May 20th, May 23rd, May 27th, June 6th, June 8th, June 13th, and June 15th. How hard is it for Trump to read this story? At a press conference, how hard is it for him to demand that McConnell only bring a bill to the floor that does not have funding for any city that does corona jailbreak? How hard is it for him to say before the American people, you mean to tell me these bastard governors are going to criminalize Americans for flat earth science, lockdowns and masks while releasing criminals 12 times, including illegal aliens? How hard is it for the president to do that? Now let me get you get, get get to another story that you probably haven't read about. Extremely tragic. Three retired cops killed by an illegal alien. Killed by an illegal alien. And again, I mean... Remember when Joe Biden says, I don't count drunk driving as a felony? And I've been pushing this narrative. I've been pushing and pushing and pushing this narrative forever. 
about the need for Republicans to push a bill that says any illegal alien drunk driver who is released, the city gets loses all federal grant funding, including coronavirus. Everyone understands the tragedy of this. The numbers are horrific with illegal alien drunk driving. Horrific. And it's the perfect issue to jujitsu because Biden actually specifically weighed in on sanctuary cities with illegal alien drunk drivers. Thousands of Americans are killed every year from illegal alien drunk drivers. We've gone through the numbers before. And... um, This is where we are. This is where we are. Three cops. Three cops killed on motorcycles. Or whatever. I think they were retired cops. This is from the Daily Times, and I'm just struggling a little bit here. For some reason, it doesn't want to. Um, pull up the article here so I can't get it on my computer but I believe this was in Carr County and uh, or Kerr County I'm sorry Kerr County three blue line law enforcement motorcyclists unbelievable Kerr County. Ivan Robles was arrested for facing four counts of intoxication, assault with a vehicle, three counts of intoxicated manslaughter with a vehicle. And he has an immigration hold on him. This is truly, truly sad. Truly sad. So I'm going to look more into that case. I mean, I just just saw it. But, you know, last year we talked about this a lot. We've had other issues. It doesn't mean this doesn't go on. This goes on every single day. Remember, we have 3.2 million criminal aliens in this country that have already been identified and targeted for removal by ICE, but remain undetained in the country indefinitely. Every year, just among the array of detainers issued on illegal aliens that are often denied, there's about 2,100 or 2,400 homicide charges among them. And those are just the ones they know. We've said before in New York City, it almost accounts for like half the murders. Here we are. The fraud of it. The, fr- the amount of death because of illegal aliens, criminal aliens, sanctuary cities, sanctuary nation policies that could all be rectified in, in, in the budget and legislation powered through executive actions in a bully pulpit of the presidency. The BLM agenda. You have Republicans. Yes, I, I, I think Black Lives Matter. How hard is it to look these guys in the eyes and say, you dogs. You vermin, your agenda of de-incarceration and and, and war on the cops are ensuring that probably at this point, 
over a thousand blacks if I had to estimate the excess deaths above this time last year in places like Chicago, Milwaukee, Houston, Philly, Atlanta, several others. We mentioned them yesterday in New York, certainly Seattle, L.A. It's easily over a thousand more blacks dead, including a lot of children as a result of the BLM agenda. I mean, these are powerful rhetorical jujitsu talking points. But we don't have a party, we don't have a president, we don't have a movement. Again, it's, it's got to start at a, at a local level. We're, we're, we're going to find ways to push on those county commissioner, county executive, sheriff races, and at least get decent people running under the Republican line until we can get a new party that really view themselves as independents, at least in the areas, you know, at least in the top 50% of counties. Trump won 82% of them. Shouldn't be too hard. We'll try to have a guest on later this week to talk about that. So that's the latest with that. Finally, I want to bring you one more story today. So... We basically have a presidency three and a half years into this. We have more tyranny than ever that affects our lives, our jobs, our schools, our kids. Our ability to freaking breathe unfiltered, masked air. We have the worst crime and tyranny and and anarchy, I mean, than we've ever had, even under Obama. Illegal aliens are worse than ever. But the courts, oh, Daniel, the courts, the courts. Well, I got two words for you, but Gorsuch. Remember at the time, last month, when Gorsuch, uh, much vaunted conservative Orwellian, really a reflection of this phony conservative movement, said that... I don't know. It mentions the word sex discrimination in 1964. It must have meant transgender. I don't know. You know, that that's just the way the statute's written. And, you know, of course, he tried, just like Anthony Kennedy did in the gay marriage case, he tried to say, oh, it's not a problem of religious liberty. It's not. It's not a problem. No, it's, it's not. There's protections against them. And we're like, yeah, right. These already lawsuits. Well, guess what? That didn't take long. This from Catholic News Agency. Transgender lawsuit against Catholic Hospital cites new U.S. Supreme Court precedent. What did we tell you? A Catholic hospital in Maryland faces a lawsuit from a person who presents as a transgender man because it would not perform a hysterectomy on the person's healthy uterus. In other words, they wouldn't cut off this female's female genitalia to pretend like she was a man. They wouldn't violate the Hippocratic Oath. The lawsuit whose backwards have for decades opposed Catholic ethics and Catholic-run hospitals cited a 2020 Supreme Court decision that holds employment discrimination on the basis of gender identity to be a violation of U.S. civil rights law. University of Maryland, St. Joseph Medical Center. It's not too far from where I live. Catholic-founded hospital now in the University of Maryland medical system. Canceled this directed me for a 33-year-old Jesse Hammonds of Baltimore, which has been scheduled for January 6th. 
I mean, it's truly amazing just the, the the shocking trauma to a to a woman that you know is forced to do that for for cancer. So someone could just come up and say, "Hey, I electively want to cut my breasts off, just like I want to cut my arm off or cut my balls off." And yet, yet the the plaintiffs are now saying that because the hospital performs hysterectomies for other diagnosed conditions, it treated Hammonds unfairly. Could you imagine that? A woman suffering from cancer, they do hysterectomies. So they say someone who just wants to cut it off. It's like saying, like, imagine if someone said, hey, because you cut off ankles and feet for those with gangrene, uncontrolled diabetes, whatever, you have to cut it off for me because I identify as some sort of animal that doesn't have legs. There we go. There we go. St. Joseph Medical Center was founded in 1864 by the Sisters of St. Francis of Philadelphia. Even after it became a part of the University of Maryland system, it continues to be run as a Catholic institution. There we go. There we go. How much do you want to bet he'll win, you know, she'll win the case? <clears throat> what are we going to do? Now, look at this Hammonds. This is the transgender freak whose spouse, Lura Groen, is a pastor of the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. <laughs> Said it was a surprise that a hospital's religious affiliation could be an obstacle to the surgery. I mean, folks, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Are they wrong? Are they wrong based on Gorsuch's opinion? I don't think it's wrong. If you read Gorsuch's opinion, they're right. Gorsuch denied this would happen, but we all knew it would. We all knew this would happen. If this is the sort of result you want from a Republican election, I can't help you. But if you're looking for better, we need to strive for better. And that's the thing. I don't know how this is going to take form, but like I said, we need to start out in certain counties and certain states and focus on county commissioner, county council, county executive, sheriff sort of races. And we have to create our own autonomous zones the same the way the, the same way the left is doing. We need a sanctuary for sanity, a sanctuary for safety and security, civil liberty, sovereignty. It sure as hell is not going to come from electing Republicans nationally and coming from Republican judges. <laughs> That's one thing you could bet your bottom dollar on. Folks, thanks for listening. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all. 